This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. Welcome to Above Grade, where each week we discuss the construction landscape in central Ohio. I'm your host, Bryce Jacob, president over at J.S. Brown & Company. I'm here with Greg Hansberry, and we're here for your educational and entertaining value. Morning. Hey, Bryce. Good morning. Yeah. How you been? Good. It's been a week, and I haven't really caught up with you in between. So it's, what's been going on? Well, uh, it's Buckeye season. Yes. For those, you know, we, we, we record this in Columbus, Ohio, so that's always fun. Mm-hmm. You know, fall. Football. Football, football's here, yeah. and hurricanes coming hurricanes, through the areas, all football. that kind of stuff. You'd think we're a coastline city. But uh, yeah, we've we've always got great things we talk about on the show. If it's your first time tuning in, you're going to want to get our archive. You can do that at jsbrownandcompany.com, and uh, we've got the archive of Above Grade there. Great way to take a look at it and listen to us. Um, you can also go to iTunes and mm-hmm. download it and get little alerts every week when we get an update in there. That's right. Tune in and Stitcher are also uh, podcast platforms where, you, where you'll be able to find Above Grade. We're gaining great popularity, too, aren't we? We are. Mm, at a We're rapid rate. In. It's because of your entertaining value. And your educational value. Hey, <laughs> two great things that go great together. The Reese's <laughs> Pieces of podcasts, rather. So today is one of my favorite topics, actually. Uh, all this time we've been going along, they've just been great topics. This is one of my favorite topics. Well, I knew you to be a, uh, you liked the country barn uh, design I do. So I'm excited yeah, I get a to lot hear of raspberries for this. always yeah. wanting to put uh, reclaimed barn wood in every project I do. It's kind of my <laughs> trademark. Uh, and so today's an exciting day because I've got a couple guys that are really good friends of mine uh, from Mount Vernon Barn Company. We have Steve Clark and Doug Morgan with us. Hey, guys. Hey, Bryce. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Good to be here. Hey, Bryce. How you doing today? Good. It's great to have you guys in here. Uh, in the old days of doing radio, we were together and we talked about a lot of things. And a lot's changed. Over the last couple of years, uh, pretty exciting what's happened to Mount Vernon Barn Company. Well, I, part of it's just the construction industry being, uh, you know, hyper busy. Everybody we know is just uh, just crazy right now. But I think there's also a, a recognition that these great old hand-hewn timber frame barns that were built in the early to mid-1800s are going away mm-hmm. very quickly uh, with all of the interest in reclaimed wood really the yeah. best place to find it is in these old barns so it's there're no statistics we don't really have a trade association mm-hmm. it's a uh, a a true two men in a truck type of industry right. and most of them don't want to be found by OSHA by anybody <laughs> yeah. so it's hard to hard to really have any true statistics but we believe there're probably upwards of 30 crews across the state of Ohio taking down barns on average one barn per crew every week to 10 days. Mm. Wow. So uh, we think in probably five to 10 years, if you're out driving around the beautiful Ohio countryside and you look around, it's going to dawn on you, what happened to all the the barns? barns? No kidding. Well, that's depressing to think about really because it's one of the, you know, I'm from Toledo Mm -hmm. and uh, my drive from Columbus to to Toledo has always involved seeing a lot of barns. You know, it's part of the history of my drive, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, but there's a lot of them along that route that are gone now. You know, some have just come down because they haven't been maintained and they've collapsed. They've either burned them and some have been salvaged and repurposed. Yeah. And it used to, uh, you know, be, be kind of sad. Sometimes I would be upset if I saw like what I knew was a really fabulous mm-hmm. uh, barn that had fallen into disrepair. And then after doing, I think we've taken down Steve. What maybe close to seventy barns now. 
uh, and we, we get to meet the owners. You'd be surprised at how many times we uh, acquired the barns from the families that have had them since they were built hmm. in the early to mid-1800s. But I used to ask the farmers respectfully, you know, why didn't why weren't you able to maintain this barn? And they said, look, Doug, that we don't need them to store hay in anymore. We store the hay in round bales. We they're too small to put our big combines and mm-hmm. tractors in. Yep. And and if they're not paying their way, we can't justify putting money into the maintenance. And and I get that. Yeah. Uh, so every time a big uh, windstorm comes through. I get a bunch of calls when a yeah. roof is blown off and, hey, are you interested in buying my barn? And so then Steve and I will be on the road to go take a look at a barn. Yeah. Well, um, it's become interesting enough that you were approached by HDTV. And it's actually DIY, which DIY, is yeah, yeah. owned okay. by the same company that owns HTV right. uh, Scripts. And that now that whole network has sold to a company called Discovery. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we did a pilot called Barn Sweet Home where they filmed us dismantling a, a historic, probably 1840 barn up mm-hmm. uh, near uh, uh, up near Toledo, actually, uh, near Genoa, but uh, Toledo's the closest big city. And uh, then we brought yeah, it Thanks for to calling Central. Toledo a big city. Oh. I appreciate that. That's, I, it makes <laughs> me feel like I come from this booming metropolis now. It was a glass capital, wasn't it? Of, <laughs> it was, of frog yeah. glass. Frog town, the glass capital because of Libby. Yeah, there's a lot of claims Libby. to fame. And yeah. you've got a great museum there. Tony uh, Paco's. Yeah. yeah oh, well, Tony Paco's from there? I yeah, guess. sure. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, you know, the home McClinger. <laughs> on MASH. There's a, there's a lot of good things about Toledo. Bryce Jacobs. Jamie Farr's hometown. Yeah, there there it is. My hometown. There's another. It's uh, Maybe another one of those great <laughs> Ohio cities is a good place to be from. It right? is. That's what I always tell everybody. You you uh, you don't go back to Toledo. You know, I, I love Toledo. as a great place to grow up, but not, not necessarily a, a town you head back to unless I'm visiting my folks or family, you know, in the area. It reminds me of, Bi- have you ever heard of Byesville, Ohio? It's a little town down... No. The oil patch down no. south of Cambridge. Uh, one of the common pleas judges, Dave Kane, sings in church choir with me, and he's got a wicked sense of humor. He came up to me, said, uh, "said uh, Doug, you know, from Byesville, I tunneled out of there when I was 18. He <laughs> said, population of Byesville never changes. Every time a girl gets pregnant, some guy leaves town. <laughs> so, oh, jeez. I, I don't know if you have to bleep that's, that's, that no, out of here No, it's perfect for the podcast. It's very appropriate <laughs> to... Uh, to uh, today's episode of Were You Born in a Barn? So <laughs> very appropriate. So yeah, that that's a uh, that's a uh, that's great. The uh, so the show you had the pilot. Yeah, the, I remember watching it, and during the show, I kept texting you my feedback, <laughs> and you were responsive, I which remember. was great. Yeah, I was sitting there watching with family, and uh, and we really enjoyed it. It was kind of stressful to do, uh, but we wanted to promote the idea of adaptive reuse of these great old structures. We regard them as works of art. They're handmade sculptures. They were mm-hmm. The trees were cut down by hand. The trees that they used to, uh, to create these barns, many of them started growing in the 1500s or 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much history there. And then they hewed them with broad axes and did all the joinery by hand and then erected them by hand. And it's you can't stand it when I know you share the same passion I do, but you can't stand in one of these structures and not just be overwhelmed with the, uh, you know, the, the the feeling of of being in a, a work of art. It's yeah, like being in a cathedral. Is. 
It is. So we we uh, we want to save as many of them as we can while they're still around. And the best way to do it is to find an adaptive reuse. Uh, like I said, they're not useful for farming anymore. They're big, obsolete white elephants. So we got to find something that makes them relevant in the 21st century. And we've done that by creating homes out of them, uh, party barns, public, public event spaces. Uh, we have done a couple that are just used for agricultural, you know, for a, a garden tractor or mm-hmm. something. But, uh, but you got to make them relevant for them to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that big, that big push for the reclaimed materials is something that, you know, obviously is driving even pieces and parts of these barns that don't get turned into full living homes, uh, a, a, re, a good purpose for it. And that's where I come into, into play with you because mm-hmm. I'm always calling you and saying, Hey, uh, Steve, I need this. I need that. Do you have any of that? And you know, it's not like it's on a shelf. You know, so if I need a hand-hewn six by six, it's not like you have this ginormous inventory of it. Sometimes you have to say, well, we've got a barn that we're going to be taking down in the near future that may have some of that for you to look at. Every piece is different, and it's art. It's it's, it's literally artwork. It's phenomenal. Well, and, and especially like the si- the barn siding, a lot of mm-hmm. people like the barn siding. And it's it's not only the art of the people that put it up or, or milled it and put it up, but then you've got 150 years of nature working its artwork on True. that piece of wood. Yeah. So some of it's like real rugged. You know, if it's on the uh, weather side of the barn, usually the west side or the mm-hmm. south side gets the most weather and sun. And, you know, nature is maybe one of the greatest artists, underappreciated artists there is. And, you know, with the the way that the old barn colors kind of Mm-hmm. mix with the gray and the weathered look. I mean, it's it really is. Each board is like a piece of art. Mm-hmm. I'm talking too much. Stevie, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, it, this Steve remi- is still this here. This reminds me of some, some thoughts when we first got, at least I first got started with Doug in this, and we put a little uh, advertisement in a in a magazine for uh, Union Rural Electric. So it's a little electric co-op. Yeah. little ad saying, hey, you know, we'd be interested in your barn. We had so many people call us. And what they didn't understand is, you know, they thought that all we were looking for is kind of falling down, wrecked kind of barns. And, and a lot of the ones you see driving down the road aren't necessarily candidates for what we do. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily old only because they're falling down or they've been neglected. Right. <laughs> uh, so we were running all over the countryside, you know, looking at barns. We finally figured out that, We'd probably have to qualify them a little better, and uh, we'll we'll look at uh, how many would you think thirty, forty, fifty before we find one that really makes sense to be reused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we ask them to send photos now, and then we take a look at the photos, and if they look promising, then we'll get in the then truck you get in the and, truck and drive out there, or the motorcycles yeah. or or whatever. Yeah. So so your barn snobs. We've become barn snobs. I hate to admit it. Yeah. But, well, no, that's uh, all right. It, take, it takes just as much effort and, and expense to take down a, a crummy barn or, as it does take down a good barn. Right. So we, uh, we've got limited resources. And, uh, and there, there are other people. We, we are looking for barns that can be carefully dismantled and put back up. We repair them, uh, clean them, denail them, and then we put them back up just the way they were. Mm-hmm. So we have to tag every timber, every piece of wood. Every peg. Every peg. The yeah. pegs, we, it's, it, that's probably more detail than you want, but they, they would put the pegs in originally in a way that caused them to break and crack. It was called draw boring, and it, it, it helped 
uh, draw the timbers to get it together real closely, but that makes it very hard just to knock the pegs out. Sometimes we get lucky and we can knock them out. More than half the time we have to drill them out with mm-hmm. these big drills, mm-hmm. these huge drill bits that you can only get up in Holmes County. Yeah. Uh, and we've broken them. We usually carry spares, but one time we broke our one-inch uh, auger bit uh, and we were down south of Circleville, I think, and we checked every hardware store within like 50 miles and nobody carried it. So we had to, had <laughs> to send one of the guys What are you back. guys, the barn snobs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had to send the guys back up to Holmes County to get a, a replacement uh, drill bit so we could, could keep going. But it's... Uh, it really it, every day is an adventure. It's like a treasure hunt, and we we yeah. also find cool stuff in barns when we oh yeah when we take I'm them sure. down. Uh, we we kid and say we've never taken down a barn where we we haven't found a a whiskey bottle and a beer bottle, empty whiskey bottle and a <laughs> beer bottle, and we we kind of think about back when the barns were used and they had livestock and the farmer was probably in the house after dinner and. Uh, decided he needed to go out and check on the livestock so he said to his wife honey i've got to i've got to head out and check on the on the cows or check on the horses and he go out and get have a little nip or something first generation man cave (laughs) (laughs) i I like the ones too and and they seem to work out for us pretty well when uh the families have a personal connection to it versus hey i need to get this down because of insurance reasons or you know it's just not all that useful i just moved in here and it's not very useful i see some old wood in here it's got to be worth something how much you give me for it Mm -hmm. you know that versus i mean we we took one down over by utica where i think these people looked for years to find somebody that would actually dismantle it and and uh that that guy was out there every day you know, talking to us about the barn and the history of the barn, and and he was very excited yeah. to meet the new owners as it went yeah. back up. Yeah, that's that's exciting. You know, I, I I like that approach as well. You know, we I was contacted um, by a woman I had met at a home and garden show years ago, and uh, she's we had an old uh, barn table out in our booth, and she said, "Do you build a lot of things with barnwood?" And I said, "Boy, I I just love it." I went on and on because you know you know how I am. I'm like a kid with this too. Uh, you're you're doing my dream job, and uh, and she called me. And she said, I have an old carriage house and we've had it disassembled and it's piled in another barn. And she said, if you would like it, I'd like for you to have it because I want someone to use it and put it to good use. Mm-hmm. And I went up and loaded a truck up and, you know, it was a lot of wood. So we had a big truck and we loaded that with all these beams and all the siding and, and we used it on many, many projects. And bars and in kitchens accent pieces you know and we're not doing the whole house thing like you are we haven't been that fortunate but uh, those little accent pieces lived on and she that, that to that point of someone who feels that the, you know it's like a transplant mm-hmm. if you will it's like organ donor you know they want it to continue to live on and and, and give uh joy to somebody else and boy i sure love doing that and you know, we tell folks because most people don't need a whole barn we say you know if you don't need a whole barn uh, you know, maybe you can save a piece of a barn. Yeah. You know, if it'd be neat to have maybe a dining room table where your kids can put their hands on it and think that those trees that were used to make that lumber started growing shortly after Christopher Columbus discovered right. America. And it kind of helps put our lives and our country's life into a broader perspective. And I think that's 
a good yeah. good thing. Yeah, well, you got all excited. I, Steve, I remember you coming to my office and bringing me those old boards that you found in a in a uh, carriage house, the old floorboards that were true 2 by 12 yeah. boards. And you said, boy, look at these. I've, I've got a limited number. Maybe it was just a great sales job, but you got me. <laughs> and uh, I immediately, I happened to have a project at that point where we were doing a bar. And I talked to the homeowner. He gave me a little sample of that one cut. And I said, boy, what we could do to this bar top, we made the most gorgeous bar top for these folks. And, uh, you know, it was really exciting because we ended up joining two pieces together to create a 24 inch bar top, which was perfect size with a little overhang. And the way that finished out was just stunning. And then we did floating shelves. Yeah, it was white White oak. oak. So, I mean, that stuff was heavy. When you said they assembled the stuff by hand, just to give people an appreciation, a six foot mantle, two people have to carry that. I mean, that's just a six foot mantle piece that we do a lot of. Uh, that we get from you. Usually two people have to kind of muscle that thing into, into position. So to put a 20 foot, you know, 10 by 10 post in place that's uh, tied together with all this other work, wood, uh, that's a, a tremendous amount of weight. I don't know. Do you have any uh, weight? Um, it depends on the size yeah. of the, the bent. I mean, they, they lifted the bents up or leaned them up by hand, but uh, Different wood is different weight. You know, white oak and hickory would be the the heaviest. And the other thing that people don't realize is when they put these up, the wood was green. In other words, it hadn't dried mm, out. Mm-hmm. So it weighed significantly more when it was originally put up than yeah. it, than it uh, is today. But I don't, didn't you get, you can get online and figure out like per square foot or board foot what different what species weigh. of yeah. wood weigh, but it's a lot. We could, but my practical example is we, we took down an old uh, <laughs> corn crib just north of where I live, and Doug had this vision on how it would look in my house, which I didn't really <laughs> see that at the time, but it worked out perfectly. But it took 13 people to carry that timber. It was an 8 by 8 into my house. How yeah. long was that? Was that about 20 feet long? Yeah, about 18, 20 feet long. It was an 8 by 8 it was It was heavy. Yeah, yeah we have those beams that... Uh, the, at the Sumner project that, uh, that you guys delivered up there. And, uh, we pretty much have a company team photo, uh, (laughs) because we're putting those in, you know, lifting those things up. And Amy was on the show the other day. And as a matter of fact, her home is on the tour of her modeled home. So everyone's going to get a chance to see those. It's coming up, uh, you know, uh, by the time this thing airs, we would have already been already done it. But, uh, you know, that, that we're really excited to show that. But, yeah, we have a team photo, like a company photo. Everyone's trying to put those things in, in place. That was a heck of a day. This is a good so team building exercise. It was, it was it? a great team building exercise. And, you know, fortunately, no, uh, no problems with it. Went right in, and they looked wonderful. And the client's thrilled that she stuck with them. Oh, good. Everyone's so. di- everyone, every piece is different. That's, yeah. Every piece is unique, even if it's a timbers that were hewed by the same guy in the same barn. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. They're special. So I think this is really good for our listeners to kind of hear a little bit about your background because you weren't born in a barn or maybe you were. No, I don't, yeah. don't think I Steve, was. Steve, you? <laughs> no, but I was born up near Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's close well, enough, green. right? <laughs> to the, the booming metropolis. So you're a city man. I see. <laughs> Steve, Steve was more of a rural guy than yeah, I was. Yeah. I grew up, grew up, uh, on farms. My, uh, my dad delivered uh, gas, diesel fuel, fuel oil, stuff like that to farmers. So we were out in the countryside all the time. So we, we saw a lot, a lot of old barns. A lot of them fall down, too. Let's talk about your path a little bit, Steve. We'll start with you, and then Doug will roll over to you. 
how did you get into doing this? Because I know this wasn't your career and this wasn't something that as a child you said, boy, I worked around these barns. I'd like to turn them into beautiful homes for people. So what what was that path like? Because I know it's not uh, the well, most conventional. Yeah. It, it, not not conventional. Started out uh, in the technology world at Battelle for a number of years. And, and we were basically doing startup businesses in the software side, computer software mm-hmm. and technology. And uh, kind of a long story short, I met uh, Doug uh, at the Technology Incubator on Kinnear. He was a board member, and I was a consultant there, and we worked with a very, very successful software company to uh, exit. And, you know, the founders of that did did really well. It had some great technology, and I got to know Doug at the time and went up to see some of the early work that he had done. And then he somehow convinced me to help him take down an old barn out by uh, Marysville. Plain City. Plain City. Uh, that was a, that was a track. It had, if you could imagine this old barn, it had eight feet of stuff in the mow, which a lot of it you don't want to be around. <laughs> Anyhow, we, yeah. we took the sides off, <laughs> that cleaned kind of that out, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had a little bonfire and a couple of beers every night to celebrate our success of the day. Uh, but it was cool to see that barn yeah. come down. And, and that barn has been re-erected on Doug's property as a as a workshop uh, up near Mount Vernon. So it was exciting, and it kind of reminded me of my past going out to the farms and uh, kind of you know moved a little bit away from the technology side. Had been in it for almost 30 years, uh, but he and I connected, I think it was in 2000. Uh, right around then, and it's always been kind of lingering there. And he needed help as he started to grow the business uh, to do project management and just, you know, I mean, just too much to do. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we like to keep him focused on what he's really, really good at. And he calls me a shiny object guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but we still have, just like everyone else, we still have projects that we got to get done. And, and it's a lot of fun. And I like being outside all the time. So we, we uh, it's worked out pretty well for both of us. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a that's, that's a great path. Uh, hopefully, I can tell a story like that someday. You know, when I'm at Mount Vernon uh, <laughs> taking company. over. Yeah, but that's there'll right. be no more barns left. So <laughs> you're trying to figure <laughs> we'll, out. How to, we'll have a lot of inventory. I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. hope we'll so, save you a couple. Yeah, thank you, uh, <laughs> Doug. Let's go to you because you have a pretty interesting background because you practice law. Isn't yeah, that right. It, yeah, and, I grew up in Clintonville. I was uh, uh, went to. Uh, Public, Columbus Public Schools through uh, Whetstone High School, and then I uh, was a hist- I went to Harvard undergrad and graduated there with a degree in history, which I think is one of the things that you know got me interested in barns, the history of them. The other two things that I I did uh, when I was in school, yeah, I'm 62 now, and I'm, I think same for Steve. I don't know Bryce when you were in like uh, middle school or junior high school, but we were required to take shop class. Mm. Even if mm-hmm. you were on a college track, which I clearly yeah. was, I, I was required to take woodworking, metalworking, drafting, and I absolutely loved it. And I made a mental note back then, I still remember it, I could, you know, love the way wood smelled, mm-hmm. the way it looked, yep. and I made a mental note that I would someday get back to it. I thought probably it's just to have a woodworking shop and sure. do, do it as a hobby. And then the last thing was I was a, a Boy Scout. That was another passion of mine, and I loved being out in the woods and tree identification. I, I you know, was really good at, at that. So when people say, how'd you get into you this? You have your tree badge. Yeah, I do have my merit badge and okay. tree identification. Awesome. Good, good. I probably still have it in some drawer someplace. <laughs> but 
but then I went on after college uh, to uh, law school, and then I practiced law for 30 years. Uh, started in New York with a big Wall Street firm, and then moved home. I married a girl I went to first grade with, and we just celebrated our 39th anniversary. We have three grown children, no grandchildren yet. But uh, after the kids got through college, and I always enjoyed practicing law, I never liked sitting behind a desk. Uh, the only way I was able to do it for 30 years is every weekend I went out and did manual labor, mm-hmm. moving barns and log houses, and I bicycled to work uh, 20 miles round trip the last 10 years that I, I worked downtown. Uh, but that allowed me to get rid of my, my copious energy. And then once kids <laughs> were through school, we were in the middle of that nasty uh, recession, and uh, I decided, I was probably 52, 53, I thought, you know what, when I'm done working and ready to, you know, leave this uh, world, uh, I'd rather have my legacy be, uh, he saved a hundred barns rather than he moved this pile of paper from this side of his desk to this side of his desk. And so I probably should have consulted my wife before I resigned (laughs) as a partner in my law firm. But I came home one night and said, hey, honey, you know, you know, I've been wanting to do this barn business well, I'm starting tomorrow. <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> and I said, well, I resigned today. And, uh, you know, it, it, her reaction was after she recovered from the shock was, you know what? You don't need to make a lot of money doing this, but you can't lose a lot of money doing right. it. Right. So that gave me quite a bit of latitude. And uh, there you hopefully, go. I'm, hopefully I'm succeeding. So now you're enjoying work every day, and it's not work. It's amazing to be 62 years old and wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and have to make yourself stay in bed because you're so excited about mm-hmm. getting up to do what you're you, you're going to be doing that yeah. day. That's not yeah. something I think a lot of my friends that are still lawyers can say. I hope they can, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure they probably can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. That's an interesting background for both of you, but that path leading up to this has really prepared you for it to do it as well as anybody I've ever known in the business. Cause when you talk about, there's probably 30 businesses out there doing this, I think you're doing it right. Well, it most of the, all the others that we're aware of are mainly just reclaiming the wood. They're yeah. not doing it with the intention of putting the structure back up and converting it into something. So uh, when they did the TV show, they were actually looking for three or four companies in the, around the country that were doing this and they, came back to me after uh, after a few months and said, we can't find anybody else that's doing the, as much of this as you are. And I said, well, that's surprising because I don't really feel like we're doing that much, but I guess we are. Well, it's really a good time for the uh, everyone's favorite part of the show, which it's hard to say that it, this couldn't have been the favorite part leading up to this, but it is time for the tip of the week. Tip of the week. Tip of the week. It's time for the tip of the week. Bringing history back to life can be rewarding. If you have an old barn that you'd like to incorporate into your home decor, take a good hard look at it for any signs of bugs. If you see signs of bugs or want to take preventative measures, use boric acid to treat the wood. Just follow the directions for ratio to mix with water and your wood will never bug you again. All right, now back to Steve and Doug here. All right, guys, so um, you, you mentioned that there's not a lot of barns left and you also mentioned hand hewn, but there's also rough sawn material out there. Was that done at a later stage of the construction of these barns? And what's really the difference that you see with that type of uh, construction or technique? Yes. So uh, probably around 1870 or 1880, sawmills started to crop up around the state of Ohio. 
And of course, sawing the timbers was a heck of a lot less labor than hewing them by hand. So about that time, uh, we started to see barns go from the hand-hewn timber frames to sawed frames. They still used really great timber. They still put it together with wood pegs and mortise and Mm. tenon joinery. Uh, But those barns are not of as much interest to us. We don't buy those barns. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think that most of those barns are best suited for resawing those timbers into flooring and things like that. Okay. But uh, my prediction is that when the hand-hewn timber frames are gone, then there may be more interest in repurposing a a sawed timber frame. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that might be the next phase when these barns, I mean, the supply is already limited. They they aren't making new ones. So will that be a phase that you maybe take Mount Vernon? Uh, Yes, if if we run out of uh, hand-hewn timber frames while Steve and I are still, you know, healthy and and uh, interested in doing this. Uh, That's I what I have to look as, at. Yeah. I have to look for the, 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 the sawn days that are ahead. Oh, <laughs> well, man. We you guys going to take all my hand-hewn. I'm going to probably, I'm, I'm, I'm squirreling away some of the best barns that we've, uh, we've ever found. We have at any given time 15 to 20 timber frames in inventory. We've built buildings to store them in. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing when I heard you talk about getting that wood. Uh, you know, getting it is, is is a lot of fun, but then you got to figure out where am where I going to gonna store it, it yeah. and keep it out of the rain. And I, if I had uh, a you know a, a dollar for every great piece of wood that I you know that I acquired and then I left out in the rain until it you know had decayed to the point where I couldn't use it, I'd be wealthy. But it's it's not easy to properly store right the wood and and keep it. Uh, you know, yeah. keep it for future use. You know, I mentioned that carriage house and a lot of the wood that we had in storage, uh, you know, it, it did get wet and there was a lot of it that ended up decaying. Unfortunately, we, we used a tremendous amount of it, but there was enough of it. It was just sad to see some of it that we just couldn't, couldn't store properly. I, I would say that, I mean, in most every barn that we have, uh, there's something that needs to be repaired. Yeah, As I'm Doug, sure. Doug mentioned on the weather side, uh, you know, the roof or foundation, roof tends to go first. And, you know, it's just money that the uh, landowner has to put into it. And it, you know, there's some neglect there. So we'll, we'll find stuff. We've become pretty good at, at fixing these things. It, the, yeah. the other thing along those lines I wanted to mention is I've heard Doug tell me at least on 10 different times that, hey, Steve, I just saw the best barn I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) But so we're still in the discovery process, and there's still some fabulous structures out there. But I said, I thought you just told me that last week. No, this is the best one. Well, I've seen some unbelievable structures, and they are generally way off of the beaten path. We took down a fabulous barn, and, and probably 1820 a barn it was scribe ruled every joint had what look they look like roman numerals they're really not but that's a mark of a real early barn we also took down an 1820 hand log house it was a, a just a whole farmstead and the farmer was real standoffish at, at first didn't say much but then he kind of warmed up to us and when we were about done he said hey this is a really nice barn but would you like to see the granddaddy of this barn <laughs> And this was the barn I ha- I took down was one of the best we've ever had, 
And I said, yeah, Matt, I'd love to see that. So he took me and we went. He was third generation farmer. They owned about 1,000 acres down south of Circleville. He took me off-road way back across a creek through a woods. And I, th- I started to get a little bit concerned. Like, <laughs> like am, am I, I going to get out of here? Am I going to get out of here alive? But uh, he's a great guy. And uh, we came down across creek and up a hill, and, and I lost my – I just – almost lost my breath when I saw the structure. I knew it was going to be fantastic. And I walked into it and he, and I'm sure no one else has ever been in that barn. Uh, he had, he had every piece of farming equipment his family's ever bought, every tractor, every implement. Uh, and it was in that barn and, uh, and it was a, just an honor and a privilege to, to be able to see it. And he said, I'm never going to show this to anybody else. If I decide to part with it, I'm calling you, but I, I'm, t- I'm toying with the idea of fixing it up. It would be very expensive, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I realize how special this is. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to take one friend over to see yeah. it, but uh, Steve hasn't even seen this one yet, but it is, it is head and shoulders uh, above any barn I've ever seen. Wow. It's out. Yeah. Uh, Still there, and yeah. I. It had Circleville a roof. is the code word for northwestern yeah. Ohio, right? Uh, no, yeah. south of Columbus. Yeah, <laughs> no, oh, yeah, yeah. So I, but I did notice a couple roof leaks, and I said, "Hey, Matt," I said, "Whether I get this barn or not, I'm coming back before we finish taking down this other barn. I'm going to come back. I'm going to fix that roof." And I went back a, a week or so later. I said, "Hey, Matt, can I? You mind if I go over and fix that roof today?" And he said, "My son and I've already fixed it." Yeah. Yeah, so he appreciates it. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, this is fun. So, you know, Ohio barns are special. I don't know because obviously there are barns everywhere you go. You drive from here down to South Carolina, you pass barns. People are probably going, "No, oh, wait a minute. There's barns all over the place." What is it that's so special about an Ohio barn? Yeah, I, and again, I, I'm probably biased because I'm a Buckeye, uh, you know, born and bred. But um, Ohio really did have the best barns ever built in the history of the world. And that was because we had the most magnificent first growth timber here. We take we we take it for granted that if we if you don't mow a field in twenty years, you're you're going to have oak trees and maple right. trees. But that first thing to realize is those hardwoods; those are just such a magnificent resource, and they do not grow everywhere. They only grow in a, a very small swath of latitude. If you go too far north into northern Michigan or go down south into Tennessee, you're not going to see the white oaks anymore. You're going to get into conifers and, and uh, you know, aspen and, and birch and things like that. So we had magnificent forests when the settlers first got here in the late 18th century, early 19th century. White oak, chestnut, beech, hickory, walnut, cherry— um, ash, ash trees are going away. The chestnut uh, was a magnificent tree, and one out of every five trees in our first growth forest were chestnuts, and they got the blight in the early uh, 1900s and died. So we find chestnut in old barns, but you can't find them out in the forest anymore. So the, the trees are what made our uh, barns so magnificent. And the big timber was gone by the mid-1800s. They cut down a lot of the white oak to build the railroads. And I always thought that Pennsylvania had great barns, and they do have great Mm -hmm. barns. But a lot of our Amish friends who work with us, they go over to Pennsylvania and repair those barns. Mm -hmm. And they come back here and tell me 
the Pennsylvania barns don't compare yeah. to the Ohio barns. Yeah. So, you know. There they, you they, have it. They are Best they are in great. the world. Best in the world. Yeah. It's also said that a squirrel could go from Pennsylvania to Indiana without ever getting on the ground. There are so many trees. That's that's what I'm, I'm I wasn't there, but that's what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> you or from, there. Mich- or from Michigan to Kentucky, north. <laughs> that's of true. That's true. We had we had a lot, guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Steve. Were you going to add something? Yeah, just just one other thing. Doug mentioned railroads. I, I heard a statistic somewhere where it, where they stated that it took a million board feet of oak per mile to no build kidding. the ties for the early railroad. No kidding. A million board feet. And a lot of that was shipped out of Oak Harbor. Up on Lake mm-hmm. Erie, uh, that that's they had a lot of great oak up there, and it all got shipped awesome. out there. Great, great history lesson. So, Doug, before we break here, I'm sure some of our listeners would love to take a look at some of these barns. Is there a good way for them to either go to a website, or how can they find out uh, or take a look at some of these? Yeah, our sons built a really nice website for Mount Vernon Barn Company. It's uh, mountvernonbarncompany.com, or if you get on and Google Mount Vernon Barn Company, you'll get to us. And it has uh, a lot of great photos of our uh, barns and inventory, our completed projects, some of our reclaimed wood, and our philosophy uh, for what, why we think this is important. Awesome. Well, great. Well, everyone check that out. It is great. Guys, thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, you betcha. Well, every week we do this, we've got great guests on, on the show. We've got great topics right here on Above Grade, uh, hosted by J.S. Brown Company. And we're really excited that Greg and I get to spend every week with you with these topics. If you've got something on your mind, you got a story or you got an interesting fact you'd like to share or just questions you want to shoot our way, you can do that by going to abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. We'll be happy to get back with you or even talk about you on the show. If you don't want to send us anything, we just love the fact that you're listening to us. And you can do that by going to iTunes or at jsbrowncompany.com and listen to our archive of Above Grade. Till next week, this is Bryce Jacob with JS Brown & Company, wishing you a great week to build from. Above Grade is a Columbus Radio Group production and produced by me, Greg Hansberry.